0: Well welcome to today's episode and today I'm talking to Lindsay Warren. Lindsay is the owner of Raindrop Crafts and she's also a business coach to other handmade business owners. She has her own podcast, the Handmade Business Podcast, which I do recommend you give a listen. Today Lindsay's going to talk to us about her own handmade business plus her top tips for making your handmade business successful. So I'd love to introduce you to Lindsay. So hi oh, Lindsay. Hi Vicky.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me along today. I'm
0: really excited to be here. Oh, you're welcome. I'm So excited to talk to you. So could you just start by giving us a little bit of introduction to yourself and um, what you do, please?
1: Yeah, so um, I've got my own handmade business called Raindrop Grass, as you've mentioned, and I'm a fairy maker. So um, it's lovely to be able to say that. So um, making fairies um, is a complete passion of mine. Um, I've always been um a craft ever since I was a little girl um, just sort of a little bit of background for you so I was the child that always wanted to make every craft project that they ever um, made on Blue Peter if you remember back that far they always normally as well involved um, a washing up liquid bottle so my, I always used to craze my poor mum to use up the fairy liquid so I could have the empty bottle um, so, and really that was sort of where my love of craft came. So, you know, as a young child, I'd always wanted to be making things. I was always drawing and things like that. Um, and then I got into fairy making, um, probably it was about four and a half years ago now. I saw um, a fairy at my wet mama friends and she had this beautiful fairy hanging there on her dresser and I was just in love. But being the crafter that I am, because before I was a fairy maker, I used to do all sorts of paper crafts and things like that. I came home and I wanted to make my own fairy. So I started researching on how to make them, spent loads of money on buying different materials and making mistakes and buying the wrong bits. And But in the end, I got there um, and I started, you know, just making some for fun, really. this is going to sound really corny, but it was love at first make. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, when you make a fairy, I start off with some simple supplies, like a wire for her body um, and a wooden bead for her head. And, you know, the wire gets covered in embroidery thread and things like that. And it was really like to see this little bit of magic take place in front of my eyes. And, you know, I just I was in love with it just from that first moment, really. So. I spent around six months, I'd say, really practicing making these fairies, gave them as gifts to my daughter's friends at the time because she was younger and and they went down really well. And I thought I'd finally found the thing to, that was viable enough for me to sell, you know, and turn it into a, a saleable product. Um, so, you know, and that was then... I decided to start raindrop crafts so that was about four years yeah it'll be four years in January I actually started my handmade business.
0: Well thank you for that and you said you were doing paper craft and things before that so was that more of a hobby is this your first crafting business?
1: Well I'd kind of I was a sort of card maker and I'd done like freelance work for different um companies and stuff using their products and I was on design teams and things like that. Um, but for me as much as I loved the papercraft side of things, you know, making a card, the type of now this isn't to say that anyone that's a card maker can't, you know, have a successful business, but the type of cards that really that I love to make took around two or three hours and I probably them for three pounds so that was never ever going to be a viable business yeah so I was spending quite a lot of time I bought all sorts of stuff I was going to do signs I was going to do all sorts of things but nothing nothing kind of just felt the right fit until the fairies came along and then they kind of worked but yeah so very much um, <clears throat> a background in paper craft, really but um you know those skills all came into play really because you know I make handmade boxes for my fairies to go in and so it all kind of it all just a lot of the skills I learned I took with me into the fairy making.
0: Yeah so it sounds like it's been a bit of a journey really that and suddenly all your skills you know you're putting into something that that really works for you.
1: Yeah definitely yeah it was you know and I you know, I'd always drawn and stuff as a child and art was my favourite thing at school. But then, you know, since I've been making the fairies, I make very few cards these days. It is very much. I just love the whole process of making the fairies and, you know, how they all come together. And yeah, I just I absolutely love it.
0: I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that people can see what your fairies look like. But can you do your very best to describe for us so we can have a, an image?
1: Yeah so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I make um, various different types of fairies. Um, so I make fairies that, um, I mean, they're, they're around, the, my main fairies are around six inches tall. Um, they've got, their head is like a little, it, is, it starts off as a wooden bead, but it's all painted and they have eyes on. Their hair is made from embroidery thread. I sew them um, pretty skirts um, to have on. Um, so yeah some of them are like Christmas fairies that people have on their trees and some of them you know people I've done some recently I've called it my shabby sheep range and their skirts were all little raggedy skirts with all little ribbons and frayed fabric and things like that so I try and change them up all the time and I'm sort of going down this road of doing sort of like five in a range and one of the things that's really important to me as well is to have fairies with different skin colour so I have fairies with black skin and then different hair colors. So it's not all just blonde and brown hair fairies have red hair. And, you know, I want, I never, I I suppose I always have this image of a little girl thinking, oh, that fairy's not like me. I want to see a fairy like me. So I always try and, you know, take that into account. Like, oh, if I was a little girl with red hair, I'd want to see a fairy with red hair. Or if I was a little girl with black skin, I want to see a fairy with black skin. I want to see someone like a fairy like me. Um, so I kind of you know that's been something that's been really important in my business Um, so yeah I I sort of try and take all that into account when I'm creating them.
0: And do you make them to order or do you make them and then sell them or do you do a bit of both?
1: A little bit of both Um, and this is um, one of the tips that I will sort of talk about later on but I mostly um, make Um, I make what I want to make and I just have a few custom orders so I do do some little flower fairies and things like that which are more a little hanging decoration and they prove really popular for christening gifts and things like that Um, and they're sort of a bit of a simpler make and some of those I will take orders for. And I do do some custom orders, but that is more limited. I, I very much like to get up and create what I wanna create and let the ideas flow and the inspiration flow really. Um, the other type of fairies that I do that are also quite popular is like their pom-pom fairies. So the base is a pom-pom and then they've like the head and the body is a bead and they've got glittery wings and they have flowers and stuff like that all around in the hair. and that kind of thing so yeah I do I do kind of do try and do a range um but um you know I suppose the fairies that I love the most to make are the ones that you know we have got um the sort of the six inch ones with the pre skirts and all of that my imagination just gets to run wild on them
0: (laughs) yeah and I guess it is if it's um when you're making something you have to enjoy it don't you like you have to like what you're making and you have to you know find it fun and just yeah enjoy the process but also enjoy the finished product
1: oh yeah definitely yeah and um, like I say when I come on to my tips I'll I'll tell you the story of how I started off not working in that way and how that didn't work out so well for me so um yeah I've kind of learned quite a lot on my on my business journey of um you know making my fairies
0: yeah because I would love to talk about your tips because as I mentioned in the introduction um you're a business Coach for handmade businesses as well. And yes. um, it sounds like, yeah, you're, you've got lots of experience here. Um, I, I found it interesting what you were saying before about how you found that fairies was something that sort of works as a business. So I thought that was the first thing you said that struck me as really interesting. That I guess that with a handmade business, you have to be sure that the time you're putting in and the cost of your materials, you know, and everything is actually going to be a viable buy, business.
1: Yeah, um, definitely. Because, you know, it's no good. You know, you might be making something and you absolutely love, you know, every minute of making it. But if it takes you hundreds of hours and you can't ever charge enough for that type of product to get the time back, you really do have to say, well, is this a viable business? if all you want is just to sell an odd thing and never have it as a business but you just want to sell a few little bits here and there then then that's absolutely fine but for me you know I wanted a business that I could have some regular income from and that I wasn't you know it wasn't no good me like when I went back to the cards it wasn't no good me spending two or three hours making one card and selling it for three pound you know I was never, ever, that was never going to be a viable business for me, not with the type of cards I made, because I couldn't make them quick enough. They were all hand-coloured and all of that. Um, And that was fine as a hobby, but I wanted to turn that hobby into a business. So for me, that was where I had to find the right product.
0: Thank you. So, and I think I know what your answer will be, but do you believe that crafters and creatives can turn their hobbies into businesses?
1: Yeah, I think that they definitely can, but I do think they have to take, um, you know, they have to really know that it's a viable product. Like I say, you can't spend 10 hours making something and, and charging £10 because you're just giving your time away for free. So, you know, it is that that can definitely be done, but it you you need to spend time finding the right kind of thing to make and being good at making that thing before you really then start turning it into a business you have to know it's a viable product
0: yeah so I guess the answer to that is maybe because I suppose it depends on what your hobby is because I mean you gave us a great example of your card making that while you enjoyed it as a hobby it doesn't sound like there was any way that could ever become viable
1: no and I mean it could be that you know if you're an artist and you get your cards printed you know your designs printed that definitely be viable or there are handmade cards that are a lot quicker some people use little die cuts and things like that or I've seen really quick little hand-drawn cards, you know, and they can definitely be a lot more viable, but the type of cards I particularly made, they just, you know, for me, they weren't, they were they were time-consuming, and, you know, you have to think, you know, what is the money that I can realistically charge for this? There's lots of ways to add value to things, like with my fairies, I, you know, they come in pretty handmade boxes, and it's all about, you know, I have this... For me, having a handmade business is making that person when they buy one of my fairies. I want them to have this special experience. I want them to be excited the minute the parcel arrives on their doorstep, and they, you know, the box is wrapped in tissue paper, and they open that up. The fairies in tissue paper. I want it to be this magical experience for them. Um, but you know, so you definitely can add value with different things, but you do have to think: is is this a viable? is it a viable product is this a viable business you know before you get started you know because it might be a viable product but does somebody want it so there's all these things that you kind of have to take into account before you get going really
0: yeah because I guess also all those extra steps to make it really special that takes time yeah as well yeah they do so I, I would love, Lindsay, if it's OK to just get into talking about your tips for creating a successful handmade business. So what are the things that people need to think about um, to make sure that so, they can be successful?
1: So for me, the number one thing people need to get right from the beginning, and this is something I got really wrong. So I'm, I'm, I'm talking from somebody that made all the mistakes and I've learned as I've gone along. So um, pricing. So this is something that a lot of crafters make big mistakes on so I'm going to tell you a few of the common mistakes people make so the first thing is they won't charge for their time properly now you know you do have to take into account obviously how much somebody will pay for an item you know if I spent three hours creating a card you know I wasn't going to sell that for 30 pounds and then 10 pounds an hour do you I mean that was never going to happen so I had to think of you know what was um, the viable product but So I had to do choose something where I could price accordingly that people were going to pay, but wasn't going to take me hours and hours and hours to make. Um, So, you know, taking people's time into account is really, really important. Um, And and quite often, you know, when you speak to people that make stuff and because like as a crafter myself, if we if you make something and you perhaps see 11, it's your passion. Sometimes people get in this mindset that they shouldn't be charging you know for their time because they love doing it but you know a plumber or a nurse they might love doing their job but they still they still want to earn their wages they still want to get you know they still want to have the money in their bank at the end of the month for doing that work and it's just the same for a crafter. Uh, I think sometimes as well they don't take into account like the time and effort it takes to you know, creating. And although I sort of was making fairies for about six months before I started a business, it was all my other crafting and artistic skills that went into that that business. It wasn't just I was fresh from, you know, nothing. And so people can take years to learn their skills. Now, this isn't to say that you have to have been doing it years before you start off a business. But what I really mean is that you can't necessarily just make, not everyone will be able to make a fairy. I can't crochet. I'd love to be able to crochet. I've had many failed attempts. Um, so I know that if I want to buy something that's really lovely and crocheted, I've probably got to be prepared to pay someone else to do it. You know, I can't necessarily buy it on the high street. I can't make it. So, you know, I'm quite happy, actually, if I see something I love to go and pay somebody, you know, what it's worth. Um, So, you know, I think people don't necessarily take those sort of things into account. And something else that I find that people do, they'll perhaps reflect their current financial situation. So sometimes if they think, oh, I couldn't afford to pay for that, that doesn't mean that somebody else can't afford to pay for your item, just because at the moment, maybe you've not, you know, you're not in a financial position to go and pay. It doesn't mean that somebody else can't. And I see that quite often people think that, they think if it's um, if it's cheap enough that people will buy it, but actually that's the wrong mindset because in the past I you know when i I remember seeing this really beautiful like teacher gift and it was re- it looked really nice but th- then when I saw the price it was so cheap it really made me doubt the quality and I nearly didn't order it. Um, in the end I did because I'd been following this person for a while and I did actually message her afterwards and say. You need to be putting your prices up. Your products are really nice. And, you you know, she must have been working for pence. That's all I can say for the amount or or she was like the most fastest sewer in the world, um. you know, because otherwise I just couldn't work out how she could, you know, barely make any profit. And some people, I think when you're selling something that you make, it isn't like you've bought something in. And so there's a lot of attachment of, um, you know, there's all these feelings kind of around it, like, but this is something I've made. And when someone likes it enough to want to buy it, that feels amazing. Um, so, you, but you still need to take your pricing into account, you know, so it's all very well having a beautiful product, but you have to charge all your time. You have to charge for all your materials. This is something else people do because, If you're a crafter, listen to this, it's probably likely that you've got a nice craft stash uh, that you might have built up over a period of time. And sometimes people will think, well, it's been, you know, I'm not going to include that in my materials because I already had that. I haven't had to buy it. But at some point you did, you know, or at some point in the future, you will need to replace it if your sales go really well. So they're just a few of the things that. I want people to just sort of think about when it comes to price. And then, like I say, that was something that in the beginning, I got really, really wrong. And it wasn't until I started working with a coach myself, sort of six months down the line into my business who helped me get the pricing right. And in some cases, I nearly doubled the prices of my products and they still sold. So, you know, I want to encourage people to definitely charge, you know, what their products are worth and not to think that they just have to be cheap to get a sale.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really interesting what you said about if things are priced too cheap, because I've had the exact same experience where I've gone on a website. I'll actually say, when I go on Etsy, I was looking for something recently, and I was comparing products that were all very similar. Um, And I was quite suspicious of the ones that were a lot cheaper, because I was looking for a wooden Christmas baubles, like something personalised. I ended up going for something that was sort of mid-range, I'd say sort of at the 70% sort yeah. of mark with the price. Um, because the ones that were really cheap, I just couldn't see how they could be really cheap. And so in my mind, and this um, and I sh- shouldn't, this possibly isn't the case, but in my mind, the quality couldn't have been as good because I couldn't work out to why they were charging so much less than somebody else. So I think that I'm sure I'm not the only one who has that experience. If you're comparing, and lots of us um, do sell similar products. I don't sell handmade products, but I sell, Products other people sell, um, but I know that lots of crafters, there were people, you know, people doing similar things. And I think if you're the one charging, you know, significantly less than everyone else, I imagine that people, you know, other people do do exactly what I did and think, well, why is that so cheap?
1: Yeah, yeah, this is it. And I think it's all very well thinking, oh, you know, and if you do sell some of them when they are really cheap, that's all very well thinking, oh, yeah, I'm getting sales. But if you're barely making any profit. Why are you doing it? You know, because we all need to make a living, really. You know, and the, and even if you don't necessarily need to make a lot of money from your business, you still want to make a profit and make it worth your while. Because otherwise, you're just giving all your valuable time away for nothing, really. Just to say, oh, hey, I've made a sale. And you're really not sort of valuing yourself. That's what I kind of think. And it does make people question the quality, definitely.
0: Do you think there could also be something there where people are a bit afraid to charge what their product's worth because maybe they don't have enough like faith in themselves and in their products.
1: Yeah, I think that can definitely that can definitely come into play. You know, and because there is, because there's that attachment to that item, because it's something you've made, it's like um, people are kind of saying they're kind of investing in you, not just some, you know, it's not just a product that you've bought um to sell on so yeah I think there's kind of quite a lot of emotion and self-acceptance and things like that all gets tied up into your products really so I do think that is something that's you know that is really important and sometimes I think people get it in their head that they're just going to charge what they think somebody will pay and and that's what I did in the beginning and that was just such the wrong way to do any pricing I didn't sit down and work out logically what my hourly rate was going to be what all my materials were and all that kind of thing and they were the things that I should have done that I, did, that I didn't do
0: so is that, is, that, is that how you would suggest someone looks at pricing so thinks about you know the time they're taking what their time's worth and the materials is that how you would suggest people start
1: yeah so definitely you need to take into your time into account you need to take in all your materials and I mean all. So even if you've used a tiny bit of glue, at some point that part of glue is going to need replacing. So even if it's a few pence here and there, you need to work out all the cost of all your materials. And then you also need to consider things like, um, you know, about the selling expenses. So if you're on Etsy, like I am, there's obviously fees. um, So you have to take all that into account as well. So you really need to have a good look at you know all the costs involved you know if you're paying tax depending on you know whether you're doing your business as a side hustle you might already be you know doing um you know paying full tax so whenever you make a profit you straight away you know paying tax on top so all these things you really need to consider you know when you're looking at pricing your products how much are you going to come out with at the end once you've sold that product what is your profit at the end of the day So really important.
0: Thank you. And how much notice or actually should you take any notice of what your competitors are charging? And if so, how much?
1: So I think it's good to kind of um, have an idea of what other people charge. I know something that I've done again and, and this was like when I started out that I thought because I was new, I shouldn't charge as much Uh, as other fairy makers because they'd been around a while so they obviously their fairies was much better but you know my fairies were still good even earlier on you know so there was no reason why I couldn't but I put myself in this in this kind of mindset that you know because I was starting out I I shouldn't charge as much um, you know and obviously when I then started working with my coach he helped me realize that that was definitely not the right way to be sort of looking at things really so there is a lot to sort of take into account when you are doing your pricing to to get the balance right really yes being aware of what other people are charging but sometimes it is about thinking okay well if that kind of looks like a bit of a going rate for things where if i want to charge more where can i add extra value like what can i do on my packaging you know can i make a batch of something so i buy wholesale you know my materials wholesale Um, can I make things in a batch to save time so I bring down the amount of time that something takes because for me if I make sort of if I do a range of fairies so I start working on five at once that's a lot quicker than me just making one individual fairy so you know that they're the kind of things to sort of take into account so that you can think okay so you know how can I bring the price down as well.
0: Thank you so I think we've covered pricing thank you for that I think that was really your insights are really really helpful um, so what are your other tips for making your business successful?
1: So I've got a few other tips here so one of the things is patience so I'm not the world's most patient person and you know when you first start a handmade business there. There is, you know, you need to grow an audience and all of that stuff on social media and you need to learn about business. And I think sometimes, you know, when I work with people very early on in their journey, they can be looking to other people thinking, well, look, they're getting all the sales. Why aren't I getting the sales? But what they might not know is that person's perhaps been going for four or five years. And you can't compare your first page to somebody's fifth page or your first year to somebody's fifth year because, you know, they'll be in a, in a different place. Um, it's a little bit like, you know, no Olympic swimmer, for example, jumps in the pool once and wins a gold medal. You know, they spend years of um, learning the techniques of practising and getting better. And for me, you know, having a handmade business is just the same you need to learn about business, you know, you need to fall in love with the business side and just be prepared that, you know, having a successful business takes time. You know, there was when Costa and Starbucks, opened, they didn't suddenly open chains or shops all over the world. They would have started with just one, you know, and it's the same with any business. You have to start small and then build it up and having a little bit of patience, you know, is a, is a really good thing. Um, so that's definitely one of my other tips definitely be patient
0: well, I think that's really good advice thank you because you you're right I guess and like you you've pointed out I guess you learn things along the way as well you're not always going to get it right first of all
1: yeah, yeah definitely um, so one of my other tips is if you can fall in love with learning about business because I started off and I'll be honest I didn't really have a clue what I was doing I I I could make fairies I set up an Etsy shop but the rest I'll be honest I didn't really have too much idea about and what that did result in was uh, I'd say so I got I'll tell you a few of the things that I got wrong in the beginning it was not knowing about business it was getting my pricing wrong um I was doing all these order to custom orders which I'll go on to in a minute and you know I just really didn't have much of a clue what I was doing so But what I did have was a determination to succeed, so I'd wanted my own handmade business for so long and and having been a card maker for so long and wanting that, but not having the right product, I knew when that time did come that I wasn't going to let this opportunity go, I was going to do everything I could to succeed, so I joined business groups, I paid for coaching, I took online courses, you know, I really invested in myself in my business and in my learning. And they were the things that really helped me have a successful business. Because as much as it sounds amazing just to sit there at home making fairies all day, well, that would be good, but they're not going to sell themselves. Um, So if you want to have a successful handmade business, there has to be a lot more to it than just the making. And sometimes the making can end up being quite a small part of it, you know, because there is a lot of other stuff to do Like, you know, you might have a website and you want to work on your SEO or you have an Etsy store and you need to work on all all the things to make that a successful business you know you need to constantly be on social media so there's a lot of other work that you need to think about you know like you need to work on your photography because if you want to sell handmade products you've got to be good at that or you pay someone you know to do it for you you if you can do video you need to learn about that there's your accounts to do your admin there's a lot of stuff it comes to running a business and and in the end like i say sometimes the making can just be a really tiny part of that so the more you can love all the other stuff that goes with the business the better as far as i'm concerned um because that's you know the more you learn the more you put new stuff into practice you know that will really help your business grow That's really
0: useful. Thank you. And I think that's a really good point that I guess that maybe when you get started, you might not even think about all of those additional things. Um, You know, people might envisage just crafting or creating all day. And actually you're right. The other stuff does take up quite a chunk of time.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, you know, for me, that, that was one of the things that really helped, you know, when I decided that I was going to invest and take the time to learn and grow as much as I possibly could, You know, that's what's really sort of helped my business. Um, One of the things that also really helped my business, and this is a tip for other people. Now, this isn't to say that this system does. For some people, this might work, but for me, it didn't. And that was in the beginning. The big mistake I made was sort of I was doing everything to order. So what I would do is I would make a new product. I would list it on my Etsy store, and then I would just take orders for it which you know initially you get that little buzz yeah i got an order and then it's like oh actually i've got to sit here and make 10 of that thing now and that that and especially when you're not charging what you should do for that item you know and then what at the, at the time i was working four days a week when i first started my business And i was just trying to get it off the ground and you know what i found was my life was one constant deadline it's a bit like when you're when you're at school and you've got homework to do and it's nagging in the back of your mind and you always feel like you should be doing it you've got orders you feel you should be working on them and you know I've got a family as well so it was like all these I was constantly trying to you know meet all these deadlines for orders that I've got and you know you might think well that sounds amazing but if you're not charging your worth you'd you'd spending a lot of time sort of away from your family for not a lot of money and you know you can I knew that if I didn't change things up sort of after six months I was going to burn out and I wouldn't have carried on so that was for me something I knew that I had to change and when I started working with my coach that was when she encouraged me to work from stock because she'd had these same issues herself Um, you know and this is something that I see with my clients as well they might have a really successful business but A lot of the time when you're just working on orders coming in all the time and you've got to make them all up, it means that you don't get the time to work on new products. Um and it and sometimes like being a creative person, when you get new ideas flowing in, you want to be able to get on and make those new ideas. But if all you're doing is constantly making orders and not getting a chance to do something new, that kind of Things end up just being a bit the samey on your social media. You just, you know, there's nothing new coming through. Um, and, and like I say, for me, it was this, it was this constant treadmill. But once I, I changed over to making, you know, I, I, I actually shut my whole my Etsy shop for a month, and I rebranded. I got myself a new proper logo that I had designed, and then I got a load of stock made up. And then then I reopened, and it felt so different because although I do, like I've mentioned, I do a few custom orders. What it meant was, if I wanted to get up and make a batch of something, I could. If I got new ideas, I had the time to make it. And one of the things that I done sort of a couple of years into having my business was I had a stand at Curtsy Allsop's Handmade Fair in London, which was a big scary thing for me. Um, but it allowed, you know, by selling from stock, it allowed me. To have the time to get ready for that fair and get things together, because otherwise, if I'd have just carried on with those custom orders, I would have never ever had the time to do that. And you know, things like that that I've done since have been like they were things on my bucket list that I really wanted to do. So, you know, I think thinking about how you run your business and and that is a really important thing when it comes to handmade because you always have to take into account
0: that element of time to make the project I never thought of that and that's such a good advice because yeah what you're saying makes total sense because I guess before um, if you got 10 orders I mean and I, I suppose I don't know what your turnaround time typically was but yeah I can totally see how you would always be up against the deadline and, and sort of never catching up and I guess the thing with that is is the, the better you do the more sales you get the more stressed you become and the further behind potentially you get so yeah. yeah that's so now do you tend to just make a batch of something put it on the website and then yeah yeah
1: make, that's make what more. I tend to yeah. do yeah and you know some things that I've got like say I tend to I have a few items that are um they don't take so long so you know I I do have a few little items like that some popular items that I always even to struggle to keep in stock um, but they're sort of these popular little flower fairies that I make, and you know, like I say, a lot of them are for christenings and things like that. um So then, ones I do tend to do, you know, that I'll do like just take an order; they'll be sort of made to order within seven to ten days. But most of what's in my Etsy shop, I tend, I try and have in stock, because it just takes that whole pressure off them. and especially now I'm a coach as well. You know, I, I don't have, you know, I'm not doing my business full time. I'm doing coaching and fairy making, so. You know, time is limited so that means that you know once I when I have got time to make I crack on and make stuff but I'm not like got this worry of these constant deadlines of making lots of stuff to order so for me you know that's freed up my time for me to be able to coach and you know and just to keep on top of the, the handmade business as well really that's
0: great and it, yeah it definitely sounds like this this way of doing things you're much more in control of your time which
1: is fantastic yeah yeah definitely for me that has it's worked out really well like that really well
0: so you've mentioned your coaching Indy. did you have any more tips for us or should we talk a bit about the services that you offer to other handmade business
1: owners I have got one more tip that I would just like to share I think it's a really important one and um this is this is the same for any um, business owner really is quite often when I work with people they spend loads of time focusing on they're not getting sales. I'm not getting sales. I'm not getting sales. I'm not getting sales. And, you know, when you, your focus just goes on that, your mind is really clever and it will back you up and it will show you all these reasons and say, yep, you're absolutely right. You're not getting the sales. But when you start saying to yourself, I want to encourage people when they, you know, if they are in that situation to start saying, okay, how can I get the sales? Because when you turn that negative talk into something a lot more positive about, How can I get the sales? What happens is your mind then starts opening up. So you then might be on social media and you might get some inspiration for something. You might see the perfect course to help you with something in your business. Um, You know, you might get some inspiration from your family. You know, it it can come from anywhere. Um, But when you kind of just focus on this feeling bad about your business, you're not getting the sales, you know, it really closes your mind off and it, and it affects how you show up in your business. When you show up in your business and you're really excited about it, you know, that shines through. But if you're down in the dumps and you're not getting the sales, that, that really will come across. So yeah, that was one of my other things is like, don't focus on not getting the sales. Focus on what you really want to achieve. Um, and one final little one is there is no such thing as failure in my book. Only success and lessons learned. So quite often, you know, I sort of encourage people to try new things, clients I work with. And this is something that, you know, throughout my business, I've always been up for growing and trying new scary things. And some things work and some things don't. But for me, I kind of think, well, if I can learn a lesson from something that I feel wasn't a success, it helps me move on so much quicker. And I actually, after one fail, I'd, I'd done this workshop once. I'd never done one before. So I ended up not having many people turn up. But through lack of knowledge, it was like, well, I should have had a minimum amount of people. There were so many things I could have done that I didn't do. So when I came back for that day feeling really, oh, I was just came back feeling really low. I decided to myself that I was going to write down all the lessons I'd learned in that actual situation. And then, you know, when I actually coached, had a coaching client who was interested in doing, doing a workshop, actually, it was the best thing that I'd had those failures because I was able to say to him, right, OK, so you need to think about this, this, this and this if you want that workshop to be a success, because they're all the things that I didn't do. So, you know, and had I gone on and done another workshop or if I decide to do some in the future, it would be a completely different experience because I've learned from that first one. And, and, you know, the next one going on, you know, I, I, I know that I, I would be sort of in a completely different place with it, but I could have just been really down on myself. But like once I wrote down those lessons learned, I felt so much better and then I could move on from it. I thought, well, that's OK. This is just a learning experience. And, and then I just moved on. So I would definitely encourage other people to do that, because, you know, nobody does everything 100 percent right in business at whatever stage you're at. you will try things, they won't work, you know, but I'm sure Richard Branson's had, you know, many um, failures on the way and most successful people have when you speak to them. But the thing is, they keep going. They look at what they've learned and then they, they carry on.
0: I think you're absolutely right and I think that's such a good attitude because yeah I mean something I often say to people is you might as well just go and start and yeah it, it might not be right first of all um, but you might as well just get started and do something and if it doesn't work like you say you've learnt something and then you can do something differently next time but you're right I mean you, you're never going to get anywhere if you don't try so I think that's fantastic advice.
1: Oh, thank you. But yeah, that's definitely the kind of messages I try and get across to my coaching clients, definitely, and to anyone in business. Just, you know, like you say, just give it a go. Because if you don't know, that might be the thing that really is good for your business. But if you're too scared to try, you know, you might miss out on a really fantastic opportunity.
0: Yeah, and as you say, even if it's, you know, even if it things don't work out you've you've learned something and that you might take away something really valuable I think it's fantastic how throughout um this interview you've been saying okay I can tell my clients this because it happened to me so you're helping people you know potentially not make the same mistakes because they're learning from what you've done so I think that's that's fantastic thank you um and actually let's just talk about that for a moment if that's okay so what services um do you offer to other handmade business owners
1: so um, I do one-to-one coaching with clients so I've got a six month coaching package where you know I really work with my clients to work through all areas of their business because my aim is always to help people have a profitable handmade business. So you know we look at all kinds of areas within their pricing, you know their selling platform, social media, their mindset you know we work on all the things that they need to get really good at um, to have a successful handmade business. Um, I also offer some a power hour where we can either we could look at things like pricing or your Etsy store or social media, those kinds of areas. And then I also at the moment, I'm doing a monthly Q&A and networking call for people to join in with. Um, so if people want a bit more tailored advice, you know, they can come along if they're not you know ready for one to one coaching and, and come and take part in that. Um, I've also I do some virtual craft fairs. So I've got um, an Instagram page called the Handmade Craft Fair where I promote lots of handmade business owners and I run into a monthly virtual craft fairs. So that's something very new um, that I've just started up. But I started back at, I've done a Christmas fair. Um, and at the moment, whilst we're recording this, I'm planning my January one. And then um, I do have my Handmade Business podcast as well where we could share lots of other advice that I co-host um, with another um, Etsy success coach. And um, I also do some online courses as well. So I've kind of got a range of products and prices to, to sort of suit everyone really.
0: Oh, that's amazing! Thank you so much. Well, you do you do a lot, Lindsay. I'm amazing. <laughs> have time to do all of this. Okay, so it sounds like there's lots going on and lots of people, places people can find you. So I'm going to link to everything we've spoken about in the show notes, so people can find you really easily and see if perhaps um, they'd like to work with you in some capacity or take a listen to your podcast. And I think that, to be honest, anyone who has a handmade business probably should listen to your podcast because you've shared such a lot in the past 40 minutes. I'm so grateful for you being here. Oh. And for everything you've shared with us um can I ask you one last question before we finish yeah so what would your number one piece of advice be for a handmade business owner and it doesn't matter if it's something you've already said um what do you think the key thing is
1: I would say invest in yourself and your learning you know in your business so learn as much as you possibly can and invest in that because I know Had I never have learned about business, had I never worked with a coach, I don't know if my handmade business would still be going. If I hadn't have changed my pricing up and and changed the way I work, I would have probably been burnt out. And I don't know if I'd have really carried on with that. So that would be my number one piece of advice. If you're going to start a handmade business, you know, if you want to make it a success, then invest in it. And there's you know there's loads of free learning out there you can learn those like listen to podcasts like yours vicky come and listen to my podcast you know you can learn lots of stuff for free but be prepared as well sometimes when there are the gaps in your knowledge you know to invest as well if you if you're determined like i was determined i was going to make my business work whatever then you know making that investment in yourself and your learning and setting time aside for that at the, the most
0: oh thank you so much and yeah again thank you so much for your time and for everything you've shared I do think this is such an amazing episode for any crafters and creatives out there so thank you so much I really appreciate it
1: oh thanks so much Vicky it's been lovely to come on and chat to you today I've really enjoyed it
0: oh thank you hi thank you so much for listening as always i would absolutely love to know what you thought of this episode please do remember to rate and view the show and also most importantly subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes and as a reminder i release a new episode every single friday so take care and look forward to speaking to you again then